BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition of the show, we're going to be talking contract renewals. We're going to be talking transfer rumours. We're also going to be taking your questions and thoughts from the live chat box. And our Brighton preview will be coming to you tomorrow at around about midday. Uh, so uh, keep your eyes and ears peeled. Can you even... Have your ears peeled. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Keep an eye out for it, basically, because that will be dropping around about midday tomorrow. Very much looking forward uh, to that one, because I think it's going to be a really, really intriguing game. I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And I think it's a game that the mood around it is going to be dictated quite a bit, I think, by what happens at Goodison Park earlier on in the day. Could Manchester City drop points? at Goodison Park. Fingers crossed. I wouldn't bank on it, but fingers crossed Everton can do us a favour. Did Everton hit form at the right time by going and smashing Brighton last week? Does Everton smashing Brighton last week make our lives more difficult on Sunday? Or should we not worry about that? Should we not be concerned about that? Should we be grateful that Everton have got a little bit of confidence now going into what is a game that is massive for them in terms of hoping to take that next step and secure their survival, but also for us in terms of hopefully halting Manchester City and the run that they're on. I don't know. Lots to unpack. We'll uh, discuss that at length in tomorrow's podcast where we'll be looking ahead to Sunday's game. Everyone's a big one now. And the season is very much coming towards its conclusion. And what happens when you get to this time of year is that you start to read uh, and hear a lot more transfer rumours, a lot more transfer stories. As I've promised you, as we did last year, we will try and make sense of what's real, what's not, what makes sense, what doesn't, what's likely, what's unlikely. Obviously, uh, you know, we don't know everything and and I certainly don't know everything and I certainly don't claim to be someone in the know. So when I give you um, a, a report, when I share a report with you guys, I'll be sourcing it. So who did it come from? I'll be talking about that source, um, sort of just mentioning kind of any previous ideas I have of how accurate they are. 
Um, although that doesn't always tell the full story because I've come across a lot of sources over the years that have got a ton of things wrong and then all of a sudden something's come up and they've been spot on about it. So just because they were wrong once doesn't mean they'll be wrong again. Equally, just because someone was right once doesn't mean they'll be right again. So it's a really difficult uh, sort of thing to navigate, I always think, the transfer window because you can get caught up on certain names. You can become obsessed by certain players and you can get to the point where you make your mind up around who it is that you want to see and nothing else will do. Nothing else will satisfy you. We as Arsenal fans have been caught in that trap on many occasions and we don't want to be caught uh, in that trap again, do we? So, um, yeah, we're going to approach the summer with caution, but we can share our opinions and we can discuss some of these reports. And, um, and that's what we're going to do today with regards to another Manchester City player, uh, who is being linked to the Arsenal. But before we do that, if I could just ask you guys to quickly leave a like on the video, that would really, really help. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And if you're listening on audio, then please do leave us a review. Uh, let's say a few hellos to some of you in the live chat. Big hello to Steve, who is with us. Uh, big hello to Ace. Um, Tezzy May has spotted the title in which the names Joao Cancelo are there. Uh, Tezzy May says, Cancelo, no way would City sell to us. We'll come on to talk about that. And what is probably now quite an awkward relationship between us and Manchester City uh, when it comes to dealings. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Mafia Boss is with us. Cream Bone is with us. Uh, we've got Richie. We've got Dave. Um, we've got Moss. We've got Amira. Uh, good to see so many of you with us live right now. Okay, let's start off with um, let, let's go with the the contract stuff first. When we talked yesterday on on the show about Aaron Ramsdale, and that by all accounts it seems that Aaron Ramsdale has agreed a new contract with Arsenal that will see his salary increase, that will see him um, add further months and years onto his deal, and almost be rewarded with a contract that better reflects his role in a good side at the moment, in a top side at the moment, in a side that are competing right at the top of the Premier League and in a side that will be back in the big time in terms of the Champions League. So we heard uh, from a number of sources that that was done, that that announcement is expected in the not too distant future. No real specification as to when that is likely to come. Um, I I've said to you guys, before and I'll say it again that I think that Arsenal would probably do well to kind of hold on to these kinds of announcements for a time where maybe the morale isn't quite as high as it is now. So, for example, should we fail to win the Premier League title, which is probably the most likely outcome now, I think people will feel down about it on the last day of the season if it goes that far. Um, you know, it might be wrapped up before that. People will feel downbeat about it. And so to be able to drop those announcements then would almost be like, well, look, we missed out, but we're taking the steps to keep this team together and to keep pushing forward as a football club and to keep moving forward. And announcements like this one could really, really uh, sort of set the tone going into the summer in terms of, you know, continuing that good mood that we've experienced for the majority of this season showing to players that we potentially want to sign that we mean business and we're not messing around and that if you come here and you prove yourself you will be rewarded for that in the shape of a better new and improved contract 
So it, it can do a lot of good. I mean, the Aaron Ramsdale one's big enough in itself. We've been saying for a little while that Bukayo Saka uh, has agreed a new contract with Arsenal as well, that verbally that agreement has been reached. And according to Fabrizio Romano today, um, we, we've got a little bit more um, confidence in that story now and, and, and in that initial report because uh, he's gone as far um, as saying that the announcement is expected soon for that one as well and that Saka's new deal will keep him at Arsenal Football Club until 2028. He also confirms that talks continue behind the scenes between Arsenal and William Saliba's representatives, although no sign of any agreement or breakthrough there. Um, but look, this is what Fabrizio Romano had to say earlier today. And I know there are a lot of people out there that will read reports, stories from all different sources. And whenever sort of those are, are brought to the fore and discussed, the first thing they say is, um, the first thing they say is, um, until Fabrizio uh, says it, I don't believe it. Well, uh, this is Fabrizio saying that Arsenal will complete and announce Soon, the contract extension for Aaron Ramsdale. New deal agreed with an improved salary. Ramsdale has accepted the proposal. He also says announcement expected soon. Also for Saka, new deal until 2028. Talks still ongoing with William Saliba. There you go. Um, Moss in the chat as well. Um, you're right. I haven't given Tom the uh, Arsenal Canada scarf yet. Can you see those drawers behind me? I've got it in there waiting for Tom, ready for Tom. And every time I go to the game, and I see Tom in front of me, I go, shit, I forgot the scarf. So I will make a point of taking it this weekend to the game against Brighton. I'm sure Tom will be there. I'll make sure I pack it in my bag. Don't worry, I haven't, like, given it away to somebody else or or just, um, you know, done anything untoward with it. I do have it. It is in that drawer directly behind me, uh, ready to go to Tom. And I just keep forgetting it. So um, I'll make sure that I, uh, I get that to Tom uh, as soon as I see him, which is hopefully going to be. Uh, on Sunday at the Emirates Stadium. I must message him, actually, but I'm sure he'll be with it. Um, anyway, back to what we were talking about. So Ramsdale, Saka, great. Martinelli already done. Fantastic. Um, and then, of course, we're hoping that we can get the William Saliba deal done sooner rather than later as well. I know a lot of people are excited about this summer. What I will say, kind of going into it, and I know that we're, we're still in the season and I know there's still football to be played and that should be our primary focus. What I will say is be patient. Because if Arsenal are going to try and do the deals that we think they're going to do or that we think they want to do and that we think they'll be uh, sort of working on in the background, these are big money, often very complex deals. So don't start going into a panic if the transfer window opens and within a week we haven't signed, um, you know, we haven't signed the players that you want us to sign or we haven't been able to go that ex, uh, you know, to go as far as confirming uh, those signings at that point. Be patient. You know, often you see a, a flurry of business done towards the back end of the window. That's always the way it's been because teams that particularly are looking to drive a hard bargain um, will, you know, will do that. They'll wait as long as possible. And, um, and if you're selling, you want to dig your heels in for as long as possible and make it difficult for as long as possible. It is, it is far more complex than fans ever want to admit or want to believe, I think. And and that can lead to this kind of, it can lead to this like 
anxiety that seems to develop as soon as the window opens where people are every day like looking for news, looking for news, looking for news, looking for news. We will, of course, be bringing you all of that news on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast and we will be keeping across it and we will be discussing the stories. But we'll make sure um, that we, of course, are are realistic as well in our expectations. You know, for example, people talking about Declan Rice, that's a, a big one recently, isn't it? Declan Rice wants to come to Arsenal, supposedly. Declan Rice is the man that's going to take our midfield up to the next level. Declan Rice is going to improve the squad. Declan Rice would be the type of signing that really is a signal and a statement of intent from the football club. But West Ham say they want £120 million. Now, I don't believe for a single second that Arsenal are going to pay £120 million for Declan Rice this summer. doesn't mean they're not going to get him. They could get him. They could strike a bargain, strike a deal at a lower price. They could be sort of encouraging the player um, to, you know, to push from his side, to push from his end, to try and force it, to make it clear to his side that that's where he wants to be and that's the club that he wants to talk to and that's the club that they should be seeking to strike a deal with. There's all sorts of tactics and all sorts of manoeuvres that go on in these big negotiations. So the point I'm making here is that I think Arsenal will try for Declan Rice, but I also don't think Arsenal are going to completely blow their transfer structure um, in terms of what they're able to spend out of the window to do it. I don't think Arsenal will go as far as 120 million. Well, if West Ham have publicly set their stall at 120 million pounds, then the chances are that they're not going to back down on that in the early part of the window. Therefore, should you expect that deal to be done mid-July? No, it it probably won't be done mid-July because West Ham are going to want to put it out there. They're going to want to try and speak to as many different clubs as they possibly can. And I'm sure there will be a number of clubs interested in Declan Rice. They're going to try and get the best deal for them. They're going to try and, and do what works for their side, as I'd expect Arsenal to do in their position. So it's going to take a while. It's going to be painful at times. And because there will be no football during that period, it will feel like it is the be all and end all. And it will feel like the transfer window um, is is sort of much more stressful than it probably is or needs to be. And um, and so, yeah, like it, it is a an emotional time, I think, as a football fan. And it's crazy because for those that are maybe of a similar age to me or, or older, this wasn't the case when I was growing up. You know, transfers weren't this big a deal. The transfer window wasn't turned into this sort of drama by media outlets, by YouTubers like myself, by podcasters, by all these different outlets. I remember I used to come home from school and I used to jump onto Teletext, the old CFAX, and have a look if anybody had signed anybody and that would be it. Or I'd wait until my dad bought the paper in the morning and when I'd come home from school, I'd have a look at the newspaper and I'd learn my news that way. But now because everything is at our fingertips and news is so quick to reach us, you're always wanting an update. And what you actually find, I think, during the transfer window is a lot of stories come out posing to be updates around certain situations. And often they're just a regurgitation of some news that you've already heard of an interest uh, that you've already heard of with a slightly different spin on it. So 
yet we're going to talk about it. For content creators, it is a really busy time. I'm not going to deny that for a second, but I promise I'll be caveating everything with what I really think and how excited maybe we should or shouldn't be getting over each of those um, stories. Uh, Rudy says, come on, Harry, it's not really quite as difficult as Arsenal typically make it. And it's usually us who drag it out because we're penny pinching. Go and get it done. Uh, go get top quality and no more excuses. This idea of penny pinching drives me mad because it's not penny pinching. It's not wanting to spend beyond your means. So if I went to see a car and I really liked the car and my budget was £10,000 and the showroom said we're selling it for £11,000 and I walked away, would that be me penny pinching? Or would that just be me knowing I'm not able to go beyond my budget and understanding the repercussions of me going beyond my budget and therefore deciding that I need to walk away because there's no way I can get this deal done. If you're talking small, minute amounts of money, I can understand that. And in the past, Arsenal have messed around and, and tried to be clever. We'll always remember the Luis Suarez, 40 million and one pound thing. You know, we would try all of that and often it will blow up in our faces. We would try all that in the past. I don't think this Arsenal side does that now. I don't think this this group in terms of the hierarchy um, are naive enough. I don't think that they're um, silly enough. I think they've learned from the mistakes that the club has made in the past. I think they're much better business people than anybody that we've had at the helm for a long time. And um, and the K the Cronkies, the, the KSE as they're known, are backing Mikel Arteta and have backed Mikel Arteta quite a bit. But as I've always said to you guys, and just temper your expectations going into the window, there will be a limit to this. They will not go out every single summer and spend upwards of £100 million. They, they were happy to do it and they were willing to do it to turn this squad around and to get it to a much healthier state. They recognised that heavy lifting needed to be done in order to put Arsenal Football Club back on the map. But there will come a point where, where they'll say, we've invested a lot over the last four or five years. You've got a squad now that should be competitive. We'll allow you to make one or two additions per summer, perhaps. But we're not going to be going crazy every single year. So another thing to prepare yourself for going into the transfer window is this idea and this understanding, I would say, that the money will stop or at least reduce in terms of what we're outlaying on players in the not too distant future. I really do believe that. Now, if we can maintain our place in the Champions League, if we can go far in the Champions League, if we can continue to be um, pushing Manchester City and whoever else comes back into the equation next season, then that it helps the situation and you generate more revenues from going further in competitions, more TV money. Um, your brand becomes more powerful, stronger, get more sponsors. All of these things have a knock-on effect and that puts you in a stronger position as a football club. But in our current state right now, like let's say, for example, we missed out on the Champions League spots next season. I don't think we will. I, th I think we're on an upward trajectory, but let's say we did. The following season, there will come a point, I'm sure, where KSE will look at it and go, hold on a minute, Mikel. We spent all of this money over the past few years to get this club in a position where it could sustain itself as a Champions League force. And we've dropped out of it. So 
questions need to be answered. And, and and that's the thing here as well, right? We can praise the owners, but they are business owners as well. And they will want to see a return on their investment. That means the more money they pump in, the more they expect in terms of results. And, um, and there will come a point, as I say, where that dries up. So just be prepared for that is what I would say. Uh, what else have we got uh, in the chat? Let's have a look. Um, Mashego says, to be honest, I don't see Rice at Arsenal. I feel City will make a late bid. I've got to be honest, mate. I don't really see him as a Pep Guardiola player. I think that there are slight differences between what Mikel Arteta looks for in a player and maybe what Pep Guardiola looks for in a player. Obviously, they both look for talented individuals. Obviously, a lot of their ideologies are quite similar because of the fact that they worked together for so long and um, and there are a lot of similarities in the way they like their teams to play. But I do think Mikel Arteta will look at his midfield and as I've said in the last few weeks, will probably think it lacks a bit of power, a little bit of brawn, a little bit of you know strength, solidity. Pep Guardiola will look and, and will say, I have that in an abundance in Rodri. I have that when I push John Stones in there. You know, Ilkay Gundogan is a lot more combative than people give him credit for when he plays. I think Pep Guardiola, in terms of what his priorities will be, I think they'll be different. And I think for Arsenal, I think we've lacked power recently and we've needed that. Um, and I think that Declan Rice would be more a Mikel Arteta player than a, a Pep Guardiola player. Because I think that Pep Guardiola, although his team's high press, I, I don't think they're as intense as Mikel wants his team to be. And whether that's right or wrong, maybe Man City have got it right because they are able to preserve energy a lot more in games and therefore don't fade in games in the way that we have done over the last few months. So maybe there's something in that. And maybe that's something that Mikel needs to learn the hard way and is going to improve on moving forward. But yeah, I've gone around the houses a little bit, but I don't really see Declan Rice as someone that Pep Guardiola um, is going to go after this summer. Just just my um, my personal opinion. Nothing more uh, than that. As I say, I'm not, not in the know, uh, not claiming to be. But that's what I think. I think that we'll be all right when it comes to Declan Rice in terms of worrying about Manchester City. I think there'll be other clubs in there. I think Chelsea would try and make it happen. Although if I were Declan Rice, would I want to go to Chelsea right now? I certainly wouldn't. Um, and, and this is why we keep talking about needing to strike while the iron's hot. And we've got a real opportunity to do that this summer. Uh, what else have we got? A uh, big hello to Mario, who says, uh, hi, Big H, hope you're well, mate. And to all your fellow Gunners, I hope you're good, mate. Thank you for joining us. Um, what else have we got? Richie's correct, I think, to highlight that player swaps are not um, as as often or, or seen as frequently as they maybe were in the past. Um, Neil Adams says, hello, Harry and fellow Gunners. I normally listen to the podcast at work. I watched for the first time for the tactical for the last technical analysis as I wanted to see the visuals. Now, this is my first time watching live. Welcome uh, to the YouTube channel, Neil. Good to see you um, and thank you for your support. Uh, lots of questions about the. Um, the. Uh, the what's it called? The, um, the, the big transfer story that we're going to talk about a little bit later on uh, in the show. But I'm going to pause those and park those, I should say because we'll get to that in a minute. Stan the man says, we definitely penny pinched with Ashley Cole's contract renewal. Yeah, but Stan, how far back are you going, man? You're going back, what, 2005, was it? Something around there? 
Uh, that's what I've said. Uh, Arsenal have done that in the past. There's no doubt about that. There's no question about that. Um, but I, I don't think we're going to do that anymore. I don't. Uh, that's not what I've seen over the last few years. In fact, I've seen the opposite. I've seen Arsenal within reason. And, and there is a, a, a level of reason here, right? Like, so, for example, Mikhailo Mudrik. The price that Shakhtar were demanding for Mikhailo Mudrik was ludicrous. And so I'm quite happy for my club to go, no, I'll walk away from that. It's stupid. It's crazy. But then there were situations like Ben White, like Aaron Ramsdale, like even to an extent, given his contract situation at the time, Gabriel Jesus. Arsenal slightly overpaid for those players in terms of what maybe the wider world thought they were worth because they knew that they wanted them. So they were willing to go that extra little bit over the line. So I have confidence that Arsenal will go as far as they need to go within reason, of course, and within the constraints of what they're able to spend as long as they, um, you know, they they find the right players. I mean, we talk about Bukayo Saka and that, that contract renewal announcement that we're hoping to have soon. Again, I, I think it will probably come in the next few weeks rather than sort of tomorrow or the day after. I could be wrong, but that's just what I'm guessing. But there's talk that he's going to be on around about 300 grand a week. That's not Arsenal penny pinching. That's Arsenal paying what the going rate is now for a player of that calibre, for a player held in that sort of regard and for a player that really does fly the flag for your football club. So, yeah, I've got confidence that we're moving in the right direction. Uh, Fuad says, Harry, I feel like you're underestimating KSE on what they'll spend this season. They now have a lot of valuable assets to sell which will also help fund big transfers, not to mention the UCL income as well. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, but I just I just have this, this thing in my head all the time when it comes to KSE of they're doing a good job now, but they haven't always been popular with us as fans. And it takes time to build that trust back up, doesn't it? You know, when they agreed to join the Super League, that was a, a bit of a dagger in the back, I think, for a lot of football fans and Arsenal fans and, and lots of clubs expressed their frustration at that and the fact that they were going to have to deal with that. And, you know, the, the protests happened. Ours was as good as anybody's in terms of really getting that point across. Our ownership listened, fair play to them. But I don't think they had much choice. They had to backtrack on that. So whilst I'd like to think that they're going to keep pushing us and they're going to keep spending and they're going to keep finding ways to fund this project that Mikel Arteta is sort of overseeing along with Edu at the moment. There is a part of me that will always feel like, you know, that at some point they're going to back off with that. And at some point they're going to have to put the brakes on what they're spending, even just a little bit. Um, You know what? There are loads of questions in the chat. Hold fire on the questions. Um, and I will come to them in a little bit. Let me just give you the updates that I actually came on here to give you because what I've done is just spoken about the transfer window and I've gone off on about 47 tangents. Sometimes that makes for a good podcast. Sometimes it doesn't. You can decide. Uh, let me know in the chat. Um, but the big story that I wanted to talk about uh, today and, and the reason um, sort of I, I thought about doing the Brighton preview today and then thought, no, actually, let's do this and we can do uh, the Brighton thing properly in a, in a bit more detail when I've had a bit more time to prepare tomorrow. The story I want to touch on is this story, um, and it comes from my colleague at 90 Min, uh, Graham Bailey, who is 90 Min's transfer correspondent. Um, and he talks about uh, Joao Cancelo, who is currently playing his football at Bayern Munich, but is, of course, 
on loan from Manchester City. And I think this is a really, really interesting story. I think this is one that we can really sort of dive into and one that we can really uh, break down. So I want to do that uh, on this edition of the show. Uh, But before we do that, I'm just going to give you guys a quick message from our sponsors of the podcast currently, the good people over at NordVPN. Stay with me. Don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody. How's it going? We're talking about not penny pinching in the transfer market. We're talking about making sure you go out and get the best in class. Well, if you're looking for the best in class, you need to go and sign up to NordVPN the virtual private network service that opens the doors to so many wonderful things online and also adds an additional layer of protection uh, to you, to all your information when you are surfing the World Wide Web. It is honestly fantastic. Um, And what you can do with NordVPN, uh, you can set your virtual location to anywhere you like in the world. And as I say, that opens the door to lots and lots of different things. You can access streams, films, uh, TV shows, subscriptions, all sorts that aren't normally available in your region, which means that you don't have to deal with those useless geo blocks, the ones that I face every time I want to watch Greek television. Can't access any of the iPlayers over there because they're geo blocked and I'm in the UK. So what do I do? I change my virtual location via NordVPN and I'm able to go and watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it. You'll be able to stream sporting events. You can do so many fantastic things. You can also uh, change your location when you're searching for flights. Try having a look for flights from the place you're going. Often you'll find you can save quite a bit of money, particularly if you live here in the UK or in the US. I know that that is quite often true. NordVPN costs just the price of a cup of coffee per month. The benefits are fantastic. If you want more information on it, hit me up because I am a user of it. Uh, So I'll be able to give you a little bit more context around how it works and all the things that you stand to gain by being a a member of NordVPN. But there is a, a, a certain window now where you can sign up to NordVPN using our discount here on the podcast. So you'll be supporting us, but you'll be supporting NordVPN as well. It's NordVPN. No, let me rephrase that. You'll be supporting us, but you'll also have access to NordVPN, which is great. It's NordVPN.com forward slash Chronicles AFC. The link is in the description below. Not only do you get a huge discount by signing up via our link, but you also get four months additional for free at the end of your plan. Check it out. NordVPN.com forward slash Chronicles AFC. Made a bit of a mess of that read, didn't I? Bloody hell, not my best. Uh, Not my best. But yeah, look, check it out. Uh, We thank NordVPN for their kind sponsorship as well. Um, I'm just going to quickly ask you while we're on the subject of marketing and all those other bits and pieces, uh, if you could please leave a like on the video. Uh, There's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 100 likes on the board now, right now, given how many of you are watching. So please do leave a like. Please do subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new. And if you're listening on audio well, then leave us a review as well. That really does help. Okay, back to what I was saying. Joao Cancelo. So Graham Bailey says that Arsenal and Barcelona as well as Bayern Munich, who he's currently playing his football for on loan from Manchester City, have an interest in signing the 28-year-old Portuguese defender. Uh, Graham says that it's unlikely that he has a future at Manchester City following that January move over to the Bundesliga. Now, for a bit of context, we understand that he fell out with Pep Guardiola and that he was moved on for that reason. 
Nothing to do with his footballing ability. Joao Cancelo was a big favourite of Pep Guardiola's when he was fit and available for a number of reasons. Technically, he is superb. Brilliant on the ball, really calm, really composed, very versatile, happy to move into different positions, can play right or left back, and has been known to drift into midfield as well from time to time. In terms of his profile, he's a very Pep Guardiola player. And because he's a very Pep Guardiola player, you could argue that he's a Mikel Arteta type player as well. Now, the two did cross paths at Manchester City, but they weren't together for too long before Mikel Arteta, of course, made that move from Manchester back to North London. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Take over as Arsenal boss. Graham is not saying, to be clear, because people often see these headlines and they go absolutely crazy and they say, that's not going to happen. That's a nonsense, whatever. Graham is not saying, and I I know because I've spoken to Graham, Graham is not saying that Joao Cancelo to Arsenal this summer is on. He is saying that there is a feeling at Arsenal that Joao Cancelo would be a good fit if there was an opportunity to do this deal. Now, my big kind of stumbling point when I think about how viable or how realistic this is, is what I believe is probably now going to be quite an awkward relationship between Arsenal and Manchester City in terms of transfer dealings. The type of relationship where nobody wants to admit that anything's wrong, but there is an awkwardness and there is an issue. And that issue will be that Manchester City will have recognised over the course of the season, two players they sold on partly to meet financial fair play requirements partly because the players wanted to move on because they weren't playing regularly and partly because they didn't think we'd be a threat, have actually gone a long way in turning Arsenal from Champions League contenders to title contenders. That's what's happened. You know, I've been quite critical of Zinchenko in the last few weeks because I don't think he's defended anywhere near well enough. And I think we've been exposed um, quite a bit because of him being, I think, quite poor in one-on-one defensive situations. But that doesn't take away from the sort of impact he's had overall, and generally speaking, this season, which has been huge. It's been incredible. So City have, in a, in a way, contributed to our sort of, um, you know, our progression, our moving forward, and ultimately gave themselves a problem, which they've probably rectified now, but gave themselves a problem for most of the season because they had fallen behind us and they and they couldn't make it happen um, or they couldn't overtake us, you know. And, and that was partly because of the players that they'd given to us or sold to us for very big amounts of money, let's be clear. But that's what I mean now. There's probably this awkward relationship that, as I say, Man City will say, well, you know, if they do go on to win the league, they'll say, well, no, they... It, it didn't cause us any problems. We won the league anyway. And we got the money in. And, you know, we met our obligations in terms of financial fair play. I mean, I don't know 
what good that does or, or what relevance or meaning or significance that even has given that they've got what a hundred odd charges of uh, breaches uh, to the Premier League rules hanging over them that we don't seem to hear anything about at the moment that have just disappeared into thin air but you know they wanted to try and start making the books look that bit healthier and, and they started to sell this summer and and those were two players that they sold they got what 85 million for the two of them it's not an amount of money to be sniffed at so you know th that's kind of what it is now I, I think the city though though now moving forward will probably think harder about selling players to Arsenal because they'll recognize particularly knowing Mikel Arteta as they do they'll recognize that Arsenal have made big strides and Arsenal have moved forward and they can't afford to keep equipping them someone's someone's uh, sort of old goods someone's you know cast offs can be someone else's treasures and I think that's true in in any walk of life you know something to you that doesn't seem significant can mean the world to someone else I mean I've got, a, I'll give you an example. I've got a friend who, who loves to play guitar. I had a guitar that had been given to me by somebody many, many years ago that looked like an old piece of junk that was out of tune. The strings were broken. It was shocking, in a shocking state. To me, it was junk and I was going to get rid of it. And I just happened to ask if he was interested in, in taking it because I know that he's interested in that type of thing. And he took it and he got it restored and he got it serviced and and now it's like one of his favorite things. So, you know, I'm not saying that you should just dump your junk on people. But the point I'm saying is that to someone, something may not seem significant or important, but to someone else, it could be really important and really key. And and so to City, Zinchenko was just a squad player. Gabriel Jesus was just a squad player. But to Arsenal, they're really, really important players. And they're players that have helped elevate Arsenal up to a whole different level and so you know don't don't be so closed-minded to go well uh, you know we're only going to get city rejects um then that's not good enough I, people were saying the same thing about Jorginho earlier on in the season and I think in all the games that Jorginho has played for Arsenal he's done really well he's been better than Moel Nenny would have been so he's an upgrade on what we had and that seems to go unnoticed. It's strange to me. This sort of thing of just writing people off. I can think of a ton of players who showed promise, went to certain clubs. It didn't work out. Didn't mean that their talent had just evaporated into thin air overnight. Often it's just that the circumstances don't fit. And if they go somewhere else and their role is slightly different and they're used in a different way, they can be a totally different player. If you want to look at an internal example of that, look at Granit Xhaka. As a number six, no. You know, we were all sitting here week after week saying this can't work. This can't this can't continue. This can't go on. And he was out of the door. But move him into an eight and he's something completely different. And now one of our most important players as well. So let's see. Um, let's see. David Luma says it's payback, Harry. Remember when City bought all of our players uh, in the past? Yeah, I do. How can I forget? I'll get some of your thoughts on, on the Cancelo thing in just a moment, and then we'll take some questions. But let me just round off sort of my feelings on this, because um, I want to kind of make sure that I don't miss anything that I want to say here. So I think first, the, the first point, the first issue is this awkward relationship between Man City and Arsenal that, as I say, Man City would never admit is there now. 
because they're probably going to go on and win the league. And then they're going to say, well, it didn't matter that we sold them to Arsenal because we still won the league anyway. But deep down, they will know that they probably have to think twice about strengthening Mikel Arteta's squad. That's number one. The second issue is the price. Now, from what we understand and from what Graham Bailey's reported, Bayern Munich have a option to buy clause on Joao Cancelo that is worth 70 million euros. So you're talking around about 56 to 58 million pounds. That is a hell of a lot of money to go and spend on a 28-year-old, in my opinion. And at that price, I would not even entertain this. Now, I rate Cancelo as a player. I've been on record in the last, I don't know, two years as saying he's probably the best fullback in world football. So I, I really rate the guy. And just because he fell out with Pep Guardiola and under Julian Nagelsmann, when he first went to Bayern, he wasn't playing maybe as much as he'd like. My opinion on, on his ability and his level hasn't really changed. I still really rate the guy. And I would like him in the squad, but these are the factors you have to consider. A, are City going to sell him to us? Probably not. B, if they're demanding... 58 odd million pounds from Bayern Munich. What makes you think we're going to be able to get him cheaper? Everybody knows that Arsenal are back in the Champions League and everybody knows that Arsenal have finance to be able to go and do these deals. Therefore, they're not going to accept the cut price deal. So the price is a problem as well. What Graham says in this article and what is stated in the article is that the reason Arsenal are quite interested or, or not to the point where they're about to make a bid. As I keep, let me just keep, like, I, I want to make it clear what the report actually says because I find that so many people don't actually read reports and what they do is they, they get one plus one and they come up with 67 and it just becomes a mess and then they start to slate a source and they say, no, he's rubbish. But you're, what you're quoting is not what he actually said. What he actually said was that Arsenal would like him because he'd fit in to what they're trying to do at the moment tactically. And when you think about that and, and, and take the obvious link away, right? So take the Man City, Pep Guardiola, Mikel Arteta triangle equation thing away from this. If you just think about whether Joao Cancelo would fit, he does fit because he's a, a really talented fullback that is very, very good on the ball, that is capable of getting up and down the flank going on the outside, coming on the inside because he's really good with both feet. He can play that inverted role in a way that very few players can. It's probably something you're going to see more and more now in modern football. You're probably going to come across more fullbacks that can play that or fullbacks are going to have to learn that and adapt to that because more and more managers are probably going to want to sort of, you know, include that in their system. But when you break it down, like you look at his skill set, and you compare that to the skill set of the fullbacks that we know that Mikel Arteta likes, he does tick a lot of boxes. So as a footballer, on a purely footballing perspective, if you said to me, here's Raul Cancelo, do you want him or not? I would take him. But what we're going to have to give up in terms of a part of our transfer budget, the wages that we're going to have to pay him, because let's be honest, he'll be on big, big money at Manchester City. When you factor all of those things in and then you factor in his age, which is 28, I think that this would be a bit of a stretch. Um, and and this would be something that probably from a business perspective doesn't make a lot of sense. But a, a good player, a, a really good player um, when he's at his best, when he's comfortable, when he's happy. And I'd have loved to have 
chucked him into the squad. I mean, we could have done with him now. Can you imagine if we had Raul Cancelo at right back and we had Ben White tucked inside at centre-back and we didn't have to go through that period where we were Amin Anarin over Holding and Kivior. We went with Holding, that cost us. And then, you know, we brought Kivior back in a little bit too late. This is the kind of depth that eventually you want to get to the point that you have. Is it something that Arsenal will be willing to do, though, for that sort of money? I mean, for that kind of price, it's probably something that Arsenal shouldn't do, if I'm being honest with you. But that's my take on it. Let me get um, the thoughts of some of you guys as well. I'm going to take a very, very short pause and I'll take some of your thoughts. Start getting your questions into the live chat box as well. And I'll get through as many of those as I can in the last 10 minutes or so. Okay, let's see what you guys are saying. Um, What have we got? Uh, Mario says, I think Cancelo would be a great addition. He plays left and right, would even bring us more stability at the back too with his experience, but not sure that Pep will let him go to us now. Yep. Um, Amira says, is there not a buy clause or something on Cancelo's loan deal? Or was that something I made up in the head? Uh, in my head, there is a option to buy. It's not an obligation to buy uh, from what I understand. So from what I understand, um, buy and have the option to sign him for that uh, mentioned 70 million euro fee, but they don't have to. It's not one of those where there was an obligation to buy included. So they would be able to just say no, I think. Um, and, and what we know is that although buy and like him and buy and would actually quite be uh, would be quite happy to keep him going forward they also like me and you think that this figure that is is being banded around is is mad and they probably wouldn't touch him for that amount of money uh, steve stone says my uneducated inexperienced opinion is the chances of us getting cancelo are zero Stephen foot says do we need cancelo which suggests to me that he thinks we don't um look it wouldn't be a priority for me put it that way like it, it wouldn't be a priority it probably wouldn't even be in my top five but sometimes, like I, I always say that you, you should be, in most walks of life and in most footballing scenarios, you want to be proactive. But there are times in the transfer market where you should be reactive as well. And what I mean by that is you should always be alert. You should always be scouring the market. You should always have your ear close to the ground. You should always understand what is going on around you because from time to time, opportunities will present themselves that you can take advantage of and that you can make work for you. If we could get Cancelo in on the cheap, that would work for us. That would be a good acquisition, a good signing, experienced player, been there, done it, won it, got the T-shirt, would add more technical quality more stability, more experience, all of those things. If he became available, for example, for 25, 30 million pounds, I'd say do it. And that's why you need to keep your ear close to the ground and you need to monitor situations and you need to understand where they're at in the hope that something might just come your way. You know, it's like it's like being a striker. You know, if you get yourself into the right areas, you know, when 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 your midfielder's having a shot at goal, there's you know, the keeper might spill it and you'll be there to pounce. You need to be a bit like that in the transfer market, especially when you're not able to spend what City can, what Real Madrid can, et cetera, et cetera. Paris Saint-Germain, sometimes you need to be the one that 
has his plan, has his strategy, which is what you're looking to execute first and foremost, but also someone who uh, knows and, and, and sort of keeps tabs on what's going on in the event that an opportunity comes along that is just too good to turn down. Uh, Stan doesn't want him. He says, uh, cancel Cancelo. He goes on to say Alejandro Grimaldo. I don't rate Grimaldo that much. I, I did. And I remember doing a podcast about him maybe last summer and thinking he'd be okay. He'd be a good addition. I, I haven't been that impressed with what I've seen of him since then. Um, but yeah, I mean, you might know more about him than I do, but I just, I just don't see it. Um, Get some more questions in as well, guys. Uh, Ojadek says, Harry, does that mean that Tavares is not coming back? Guys, I would be shocked if Tavares comes back. I really would. The only scenario in which I can see him coming back would be the scenario in which we just can't shift him. Nobody wants him. And we've had this with a few players recently, haven't we, over the years where we've been trying to get the dead wood out. Players just that we know aren't going to make it, aren't going to cut it at Arsenal, aren't going to make the grade, aren't going to be of any benefit to us really moving forward, yet we can't sell him. The good thing about the Nuno Tavares one, though, is that, and, you know, he's he's fallen out of favour at Marseille, he hasn't been very good at Marseille, started the season quite well, um, or, or the, spent the, the first part of his loan spell, he did quite well, it has his form has gone off a cliff and um i know that the marseille fans haven't been impressed by what they've seen from him so so what was i saying i've, I've lost my train of thought oh yeah nuno tavares right so the good thing about the nuno tavares situation and deal is that we bought him for a really small amount of money 7 8 million pounds which these days is is pittance isn't it because of that I don't think Arsenal would be too fussed about how much they recuperate on him. Um, and so if somebody came in and made a laughable offer of like three, five million pounds, you'd go, well, we only spent seven, eight on him. Let's go. Um, you know, that that's okay. And so that makes this a much easier situation to navigate and to deal with than some of the ones we've we found ourselves in in the past. I mean, what's going to happen with Nicolas Pepe as well? You know, that's going to be another interesting one. I'm going to be really curious to see how that unfolds. But the point I'm making here is that when you don't make a massive investment in a player, your tolerance to letting him go for you know less money is obviously increased, and therefore it's not as easy, it's not as difficult. I beg your pardon to move these players on. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Moss suggesting that we should buy Alfonso Davis. I'd love to get Alfonso Davis, but I don't think that's a doable deal, to be honest with you. Um, I really don't. Uh, Amira says, do you see this last up? Do you, sorry, I'm all over the place today. Do you see this upcoming window as the last one where we're willing to splash the cash to complete the group of 15-ish starters and future windows will be for bolstering the squad if necessary? That could well be the case, mate. It could well be the case. Because although... You know, KSC have spent when we haven't really had the money coming in, not being in the Champions League, COVID, etc., etc. As I keep on saying, at some point, they're going to want to make up that shortfall. When that's going to be, I don't know. If they keep seeing progress, are they going to keep gambling? Are they going to keep pushing? Hopefully. But you you don't know that, right? And these are shrewd business people who are where they are because they've made very good business decisions over the years. So, um yeah, it, it could well be this summer. This could be the last summer where we see Arsenal really push the boat out. 
And then they might turn around and say, well, we're set now for the next four to five seasons. Let's just bolster the squad as and when we need to in the positions that we need to and cope with the natural player turnover that you have at a Premier League football club. Uh, Stephen says other areas need attention like centre midfield, DM and striker, in my opinion. Agreed. That's why I said that left back for me or right back is not even in my top few priorities. I mean, I do worry though about Tommy Asu like at right back because we pinned our hopes on him and we allow, we allowed Cedric to go who we can all agree isn't good enough, but we let him go out on loan on the premise that White and Tommy Asu could cover that centre the the right sided position in the defence, and then we lost Tomiyasu, and we've paid for that because if we had him, keep saying we'd have been able to push Ben White back into centre back or even put Tomiyasu at centre back because he can play there too. Uh, Mashego says on the subject of right backs, why don't we go for Dumfries with Inter having financial issues? I've got to be honest with you, mate. I do not rate Denzel Dumfries in the slightest. I think he's a good. He's got a good engine on him. I think he can get up and down the flank really effectively. I don't think technically he's at the level that I'd want to see at Arsenal. And I don't think defensively he is anywhere near good enough. I really don't. And the idea of having him on the right and Zinchenko on the left would scare the living shit out of me on a weekly basis. So not for me. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen quite a lot of him at Inter and it's just not for me. Steve Stone says, with Newcastle City and Chelsea's superior financial clout, would it be better for Arsenal to try and obtain signings which are off radar? Yeah, and I'm sure Arsenal are probably trying to do that in a lot of instances. You know, remember Fabio Vieira? I mean, I know that hasn't really worked out yet. Still might, but did anyone even know there was an interest there? No, we didn't. I just remember coming home one day and seeing that pop up and then going, shit, need to do a podcast on this guy. And I know absolutely jack shit about him. It was terrible. Um I think Arsenal will be trying to do those types of deals as well. But I also think that some of Arsenal's most successful signings over the years have been, uh, over the last few years, when we're talking about this Edu-Arteta combo, have been when they've gone and bought players that know the league. I never really used to buy into this Premier League proven thing. And I still don't think it is the be-all and end-all. But uh, what I've noticed is a trend in, in our recruitment. It's something that Arteta clearly uh, believes in. And he's been proven right in a lot of these instances because those players have come to the club and have, um, and have done pretty well, um, sort of relatively quickly as well. Uh, Guillermo Dennis says, we've got nine outfield players out on loan. Do you see any of them coming back into the squad next season? I mean, off the top of my head, following Balogun might, or he might be sold, probably will be sold if I had to predict, because it seems like he is, um, He's quite adamant about wanting guarantees around game time, etc. In which case, if we can get 30, 35 million, maybe even 40 million euros for him, we can put that back into the kitty, which would hopefully get help us go out and get, uh, you know, some of the players that we're we're looking at in terms of uh, in terms of other positions and other areas as well. Uh, what else? But I do think to go to the next level, we need another striker. Is that going to be Balogun though? Arsenal will probably need to have a look at him in the summer up close. I know they'll be, or they would have been watching him very, very closely during his loan spell um, and, and assessing him and, and following that and, and sort of studying his development. But yeah, um, no, I don't get him. I think often if, if players are sent out on loan, when your squad is not really that deep as it is, which ours hasn't been over the last couple of seasons, then the likelihood is that the manager doesn't fancy them. 
it's different when you're talking like really young players um, because sometimes it's because you feel like they need the game time and you're not able to give them that game time. Marquinhos could be an interesting one. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Um, is he going to come back into the picture? don't know. It's, it's... But when you're talking like the Tavareses and the Maitland-Nileses and some of the others, and you just look at them and you're like, no, like, no, it's it's just not. It's just not ever going to work. Um, and, and so why waste your time? That's that's how I see it anyway. Uh, let me take a, a couple more before I go. But while I'm waiting for you guys to populate the chat box, because it just takes a, a little bit of time for those comments on YouTube to filter through to StreamYard so I can bring them up on the screen. It can be a little bit frustrating at times. But just while I do that, just another quick reminder, polite reminder, uh, to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. We're 11 away from the 100 mark, so please, uh, let's do that. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Leave us a review uh, if you haven't done so already. That really, really does help. And if you want access to more um, to more Chronicles of Aguna content, our post-match player ratings after every Premier League game, and plenty more to come over the course of the summer, then please do uh, check out the Chronicles of Aguna Premium over on the Another Slice platform. We'd love to have you over there. Uh, you'd be supporting us in terms of uh, continuing to output as much as we do to to improve things. Um, and, uh, of course, you'll be uh, supporting me to spend more of my time, more of my freelance time uh, on this project that I love so, so dearly and, and really is the, the kind of centre of my working universe at the moment. Also. Uh, we do make a donation from that pot to the Great Ormond Street Children's Hospital, so you'd be supporting them as well. Right, what else have we got? Let's pick a couple more. Uh, CD's clip says, 40 million euros for Balogun. No way. Shakhtar sold Mudrik for 88 million pounds. Sell Balogun for 60 to 70 million pounds, nothing less. But we we all agreed that, that sort of 88 million pounds for Mudrik was way over the top. So if I was to try and value Balogun in that bracket, then I'd be being over the top, wouldn't I? I'd be going over the top, surely. I think that you've got to factor in the fact that the goals that he scored have, have happened in France. With all due respect, it isn't the same quality of a league as the Premier League. I don't even think it's rated as highly as La Liga or Serie A. Maybe unfair nowadays, given particularly La Liga, the standards dropped quite a bit. But, yeah, I, I don't see anybody paying upwards of €40 million Euros for following Balogun. That, and I, I'm, I'm normally quite good with my pricing. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, and I try not to do that. And, and I don't do that because generally in my nature, I'm not that type of person. But I remember saying to you guys that Odegaard... 30, 35 million, we'd get it done. And everybody laughed at me. And Real Madrid was saying, no, it'll be 70. And I remember saying, no, 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 no. 30, 35 million, you get that deal done. And we did. We got it done for exactly that amount. I remember saying what it was going to take to get Buendia out of Norwich. And that that was way too much money. Villa went and paid that money and got him the money that I said. So I, I, I'll stand my ground on my pricings because I feel like I'm normally quite good at that in terms of what's realistic. I know full well that clubs put out briefs with regards to figures that they want, et cetera, et cetera. But I also know that those clubs also 
recognize what the market actually says and, and how it actually looks. So yeah, um, no, uh, 60 to 70 million pounds, no chance, no chance. You're not going to get that. Uh, Ray Laguna says, can you please answer my Kaiseido question? One minute. I think I favorited it. Here it is. Is it true that there is an agreement that we can get Kaiseido if we bid above 70 million pounds? So what happened with this to be clear? Um, are, are you going by some of the reports that were coming out and were going around yesterday? Cause what happened was to my understanding was that David Ornstein put out a piece and in it, he mentioned Alexis McAllister and that there may be something in his contract that allows or helps or, or would, yeah, would would help a bigger club come in and buy him something to do with it, maybe being a Champions League club. I don't even think he specified exactly what it was. And I think he said in passing in literally like one line that that could be the case with Caicedo as well. As far as I know, Caicedo will have something in his contract because if he didn't, I don't think he would have signed it in the first place, given what a public sort of hullabaloo he made about wanting to move when Arsenal came in and showed an interest. So I'm I'm predicting, yeah, I'm guessing, yeah. I think there will be something in there. There will be some sort of clause. There will be some sort of, it has to be a Champions League club only clause, for example. Declan Rice, West Ham, they're talking about maybe allowing him to go for 120 million to a Champions League club. So I think there will be something in the contract that makes it not easy, but certainly not impossible to get him out. If there wasn't, I don't think he would have agreed to sign it, as I say, given how much of a fuss he made when Brighton wouldn't let him go in January. And I think... The same is probably true for Alexis McAllister, which is what David Ornstein was alluding to in terms of that piece from which this has been picked up. So I don't know that there is an agreement like the one that you're suggesting, mate, but I'd imagine that there is something there. Uh, David Luma says, Harry, what do you think about the Gurhi links? I think he's an okay player. I think he's a player that can up his game and go to the next level. What I will say about him is that I think he's kind of regressed a bit this season. I thought last season he looked much better. Um, but at the same time, Palace are talking £50 million. Pounds. I'm not paying £50 million pounds for Mark Gurney. Are they setting their stall out high? In which case, could we maybe get him for less? in which case maybe it's worth a chat and an inquiry. I don't know. But he wouldn't be at the top of my list. I think there are better centre-backs out there than Mark Gurhi. Um, And I certainly wouldn't be paying £50 million for him. But it's not the first time he's been linked with Arsenal. So I'm not surprised uh, to read that kind of surfacing again. Right. Thank you guys uh, so, so much for all your wonderful questions, your thoughts, your interaction, your participation uh, in the show. It's been great uh, to have you guys uh, alongside me as always. Remember, we'll be coming to you a little bit earlier tomorrow, around about 12, 12.30 um, with the Brighton preview so that that's got some time to breathe. Uh, you guys can take that in, consume it, enjoy it. Um, and uh, yeah, um, we'll get that out as soon as possible. And, um, and we'll start previewing uh, what's going to be another big game for Arsenal at the end of the season. We might look back on it and say, well, it didn't really mean all that much, but we've got to keep fighting. We've got to stay in the hunt. 
And I'll tell you one thing, you know, I don't expect them to drop points at Goodison Park. But if they did, if they did, the atmosphere at Emirates against Brighton in a game that's due to kick off, what, half an hour after the conclusion of the Manchester City one will be electric. And I can't wait to be there. And for Moss, deliver Tom Canton's scarf. <laughs> right, guys, thank you all so much. I'll see you all soon. Until next time, take care. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.